Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. And then there were four. Championship weekend, Championship Sunday is set as the Cincinnati Bengals will travel to Kansas City to face the Chiefs. And the San Francisco 49ers are off to Lincoln Financial Field to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Unfortunately, divisional round weekend wasn't the classic it has been in the past, although delivered us a barnstormer of the game to round off the weekend I'm going to get it out there early. I truly believe that the four best teams left in the NFL are the four teams that we have had advanced to the championship game. I'm Will Gavin alongside me, the almighty Simon Clancy, Ollie Hunter. How are we, gents? Are we feeling fresh as a daisy this Monday? I'm thrilled because there's only two more late nights of NFL action to go (laughs) before I can get some proper sleep. It's, um, I suppose, also with you, Simon, you've got football, uh, college football that you've had to consume yeah. in vast quantities as well. Yes. So it, it's double whammy for you. So I, I, I feel your pain, but it does feel, I don't know whether this is just getting older, but it does feel you're, you're starting to endure the late nights, the season nowadays, rather than embracing it like uh, you do at the beginning of each and every season and embrace it until the very end. Now we're enduring it into, uh, I, into I, January I, and February. I think that 10 years ago, if I talked to friends of mine who work in kind of relatively normal kind of nine to five office jobs or whatever, like something where they can't stay up and watch the late games, they'd have been jealous of the fact that our jobs allowed us to stay up and watch the late games. Now into kind of late 30s, into the 40s, uh, I reckon it's the other way. I think it's totally flipped. I'm now jealous. When I message a WhatsApp group, I'm like, has everyone seen the game from last night? And they're like, oh, no, I'm going to catch the highlights later. It's like, oh, so you went to bed before 5 a.m. Good for you. Can I make an admission? I went to bed at half time last night at the Dallas 49ers game, which is, I think, the first time I've been to bed in a divisional round in decades. I feel so ashamed, but I actually feel like I slept. <laughs> I I don't have any problem with it. It was like it was turn, it was a cracking game, but it was uh it was an attritional game and it was a chess match of a game. So I can understand why you'd go like it wasn't. Well, mate, I don't know because I was we, struggling, we were, mate. I was struggling. We, we were messaging on another group and was saying like one of our friends had to be up at. Yeah, six a.m. or something to get off to go to on a sh- on a shoot, and he was still messaging us at like one thirty to be like, "Why won't this game die? Why can't <laughs> someone just score two quick touchdowns and let me go to bed?" So, yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. Yeah. Right. Should we uh, uh, just going to crack into the games? We'll start. Off, we'll go through. Uh, let's let's go in reverse uh, order this weekend, just because cool. I want to talk about it first. Uh, I apologize apologize to anyone who is watching the live stream and is having to see me with, uh, with wet hair and, uh, a wet beard because I have only, 
I've only just got out of the bath after spending two hours trying to wash Mike McCarthy's final play of the season and hopefully Mike <laughs> McCarthy's final play as Dallas Cowboys head coach out of my system as disgusting and disgraceful as it was. But the San Francisco 49ers in a just a brilliant battle in the Bay come out on top 19 to 12 on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, there's lots to get into with this game. But I, I want to throw out to you guys first as, as people who d- I think don't have that same bias that I obviously carry. Simon, I'll come to you first. I've seen a lot of anti, not just Mike McCarthy takes, but anti Dak Prescott takes from Cowboys fans and, and writers today saying that he underplayed how much of this was on the 49ers excellent defense and how much, did the Cowboys on that side of the ball fail to capitalise on their opportunities? I think a lot of it falls on the shoulders of McCarthy. I've got to say, I didn't love the game plan. I mean, I know they were in the game. I mean, part of the issue for me was that if you have a problem with Brett Maher, for example, uh, you know, missed four extra points, uh, was okay through the week, apparently practiced pretty well, but then was missing extra points before the game. Come The, the fact that they eschewed a field goal to, to go for it on fourth down... Uh, I know they scored a touchdown on the drive, but the fact that you're eschewing a field goal to go for it means that you don't have confidence in Brett Maher anyway. So why would you put him in the situation to even have him in the game? You should either have cut him during the week or just put him out there to kick a field goal. I thought his you know, play calling at the end of the game or the, the, the situational football at the end of the game was ridiculous and typical of McCarthy. Um, I think Prescott shoulders a lot of blame. I think Brock Purdy has the the, the same amount of playoff wins as Dak Prescott does in his career. Um, I think they're lacking weapons on offense. Obviously, the Tony Pollard broken leg is a big issue. Um, but, you, you know, you were essentially down to C.D. Lamb. I didn't think Dalton Schultz had a particularly good game. Michael Gallup just was, you know, was non-existent. Noah Brown was non-existent. Um, Zeke was fairly non-existent. Uh, and I just, overall, they just looked, I mean, the defense was was obviously outstanding. But, you know, that game couldn't shouldn't have been as close as it was in many ways because Dre Greenlaw had a, pick six to end the game that he dropped. Um, but yeah, I put put a lot of the blame onto those shoulders of the joint shoulders, I think, of McCarthy and and um and um and Prescott. I mean that's a team that could have seriously done with Amari Cooper, for example, in that game. You know I I have to say I thought Kellen Moore schemed up CeeDee Lamb particularly well. Yeah, they used I mean, him in all sorts of well ways. The playoffs, and... But it becomes a little bit when it when it just becomes so target centric that you're just throwing to one guy, I think that becomes an issue. And that last that final play was an absolute abomination. You know, watching Al Shahir truck Ezekiel Elliott playing center. I mean, the, the the one mistake I thought the 49ers play was literally not having more than one player on the on the defensive line. Because if they just had another person <laughs> rushing in, it would have been the most insanely hilarious. I mean, it was pretty funny just, as it was. It, if you just have Al Shahir directly over uh directly over Ezekiel Elliott, who is snapping the ball as a center, and then just have somebody just slightly off, like playing a three technique yeah. just next to him, just to go, I'm going to take an angle and bang. Well, just line Amenahu up on one side of Zeke and, and Bozer up on the other and just literally, <laughs> that would have been unbelievably <laughs> hilarious because that literally would have been, he would have been hit in about a, a second and a half and the whole, I mean, that would have been comedy gold. I, 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 D'Amico Ryan should have called a timeout literally for that just to be able to line the two up and just be like, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Good luck. Good luck, Zeke. Fantastic. But yeah, that was it was an it was an abominable final call. And I kind of understand what they were trying to do, but just getting Zeke to snap the ball and, and not expect any sort of pass rush was ludicrous. 
Mike, uh, Mike McCarthy was asked about that play afterwards, unsurprisingly, and was pretty unforthcoming, except to say that he didn't, that the play didn't develop as they uh, wanted no. it to or expected it to. And I'm like, no, no, yeah, yeah exactly. That, like, to take it down, uh, to, to kind of strip that, pl- that play back, but also, you know, we'll get into more about the Cowboys' performance. Having Zeke as the centre, A, made no sense to me because he was always just going to get trucked over even if it was just one guy there, which makes Prescott throw it too quickly, which also makes where Prescott's going to go with it relatively obvious. I think what the idea was, was that, and I've forgotten his name, the returner who actually made the catch. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't know who you mean yet. Who, who yeah, I think he's... Yeah, Turpin. The, I think the intention was for him to catch the ball short, pitch it back to either Prescott or Zeke, and you had CD Lamb with a screen on the far right of the of the formation, three of the offensive line in front of him. You, they're try, I think what they're trying to do is draw the defense across to the play and then throw it to CD Lamb and hope with three blockers he can make something amazing happen. Except that normally, in a normal play like that, you'd at least have three down linemen, maybe four, whereas now you're putting 10 players back and you've got to get past 10 players rather than <laughs> maybe get past seven, which just seems an absolute ludicrosity. And, and quite frankly, I don't want, you know, in open space, I don't want, you know, Connor McGovern trying to block Jimmy Ward when Jimmy Ward's faster, you know, more athletic and just can run around. I mean, it makes no sense to me, but, you know. None of that thing made any sense whatsoever. I'm just watching it back again. I'm trying to justify it, and I don't know why. Why why wouldn't you have just a normal person snap the ball rather than Zeke? (laughs) The way that Zeke gets destroyed. I know. I love Steve Smith's comment. Did you see Steve Smith's comment after the game where he said something like, it's my understanding that Kellen Moore interviewed for the head coaching job in Carolina the other day. If that's the case... Uh, you know, having watched that final play, I sincerely hope he doesn't get the job or, you know, it was just wow. absolutely scathing. Yeah. What a way to, to fail your interview uh, no. after the fact by, by one particular play. It was just bizarre. The whole, I think the whole uh, Mike McCarthy experience for the Cowboys and Cowboys fans has been rather underwhelming. Um, yet again, a talented team doesn't, doesn't get the job done and is held back by, Poor play calling and, and poor, poor clock management, team management, and just just bizarre. Just that final sequence is so so weird. But on the on the other hand, the other foot, the 49ers are, are back into the divisional championship round, mate. And Willie, you must be pretty pleased. I I in the pub yesterday you were actually saying that um you'd be very happy for the 49ers to trade away Trey Lance next year and I thought Simon would find that quite interesting uh I mean you you are saying things that I said after many pints which um (laughs) the the worm has turned yet again (laughs) that's exactly what I said to him (laughs) how many times this season have we said something (laughs) Willie's disagreed and then he's had a couple of sniffs of the barmaid's apron and then he's turned (laughs) again it's incredible it was incredible Um, I, I think no. Look, I uh, this is ridiculous. Why am I sitting here defending Trey? I think Trey Lance still could be a very special player in the NFL. I do. I am terrified about the idea 
that you trade away Trey Lance to say Tennessee, as, as was speculated last week, even if the 49ers won a Super Bowl this time round. Like, you trade it Trey Lance to Tennessee, and then he goes on and has a career where he has, like, multiple playoff appearances, maybe wins a Super Bowl, maybe wins some playoff games. And he's just sitting going, oh, that would have been good in Shanahan's offense if it doesn't work out with Purdy. But as it stands right now, Brock Purdy's performance yesterday he was under a huge amount of pressure in the first half and that Dallas defensive line played out of its skin. I mean, we, I, I thought that DeMarcus Lawrence was excellent. The, I thought the tackles both played really well. I thought Laurent Bland was really good on the outside. Leighton Van Der Esch had his best game since he's returned and, and really looked a lot more kind of multiple than we could do better in coverage than we've seen at any point. And then Micah Parsons, who I know that at this point, people are almost bored about hearing about how good he is. But I don't understand it. Like, I watched him at one point pick up Mike McGlinchey, who's six foot nine and weighs the same as a small shopping mall, and slam him into the ground like he was absolutely nothing. And I'm looking at his physique and I'm going, like, he's not built like Lawrence Taylor. He's not built like Reggie White. He's built like a kind of decent off-ball linebacker like he's he clearly sturdy but he doesn't look like an absolute power machine and honestly I I, I think we're going to keep looking at this it's now what 1995 the last time they re- reached a, a, an NFC title game uh, they've lost something I think nine uh, divisional champion divisional round games in a row and I do look at the talent they've got on that team whether it is Daco I do believe in whether it is you know, CeeDee Lamb, whether it is the offensive line, which was so good for so long and still has some some very good players on it, uh, whether it is Micah Parsons and those guys. And I, I just look at it and I, I kind of despair a little bit for Dallas with how well their defense played. But to bring it back to the point of this, which was Brock Purdy, I loved the way that he then bounced back in the second half. I loved the way that it never... Like he should have had an inception in the game. I feel like I've said that almost every week. He's got away with a few, but he's never let anything... Like it feels like nothing has ever really massively affected him. It's never felt like anything. He missed an open receiver when they were driving down for what turned out to be the first touchdown of the game. And then they got quite fortunate on a third down to get a penalty that moved the ball. Then Christian McCaffrey picks up seven yards on the ground. And you're looking at Purdy and rather than getting flustered, he is completely locked in. He makes that big play to George Kittle where Kittle actually went out of structure with that seam route at the middle and just started waving his hand in the air, made that ridiculous juggling catch. And uh, Purdy put that ball exactly where Kittle could get it. And suddenly, finally the offense was going and they had two really good drives in this game. And honestly, I think I, like, again, he's not the greatest arm talent. He's not a guy who like, is going to pick up huge yards through scrambling. He's a guy who gets outside the pocket well, but uh, feels pressure reasonably well. But I just feel like he's the steadiest person I've seen. Like, nothing seems to phase him ever. And that's what makes me confident in his ability to deal with these big occasions going forward. Yeah, just on Micah Parsons, just before I get to Purdy, I, mean, part, I don't think there's a single player in the NFL that affects the game on every single down the way that Micah Parsons does. And that is testament to his unnatural, uncanny ability. Um, on Purdy, I thought it was Purdy's biggest sort of danger game yesterday. I thought that there were significant stretches of the game where you felt like it, the end could be nigh in terms of that there was going to be a critical mistake, a critical error. Um, and, and I think, again, to his... Um, 
to his a testament to his ability was um that long drive in the fourth quarter the sort of eight nine minute drive where they just burned off and he, he completed three or four four a uh, third down throws little in cut to Ayuk. um and I thought that's where he showed his his best. I, I did think he was lucky to get away with a couple of picks. There was the one that Diggs dropped. Um, but again, he kind of just did enough complimentary football with the run game. Um, and yeah, I mean... And he, like, like on that, he said it yesterday. He said like, there are times where I we get into the red zone, we're not finishing it. We're like we're settling for field goals after both of the turnovers, and that's you know where the game really could have been killed off earlier if they had finished off those drives. And she's like, but I've got to realize it's the NFL. Not everything is going to be easy. You've got to get up there, pick yourself up, and go back in for the next drive. And I just felt like they kept doing that time and time again. George Kittle's comments, by the way, on that catch, he just said, he just went, no, he gave me a really catchable ball. I was just being dramatic for TV. <laughs> God, I love him. Yeah. yeah, I love that when he went back after that catch, he went to the spider and the spider cam was above his head and he was just looking at the spider cam going, He's the sort of person who I can imagine some people finding a little too cheesy. The moment where Christian McCaffrey did get that two-yard touchdown, spiked the ball, Kittle managed to catch it off the spike and then ran over and handed it to Jerry Rice and gave Jerry Rice a little rub on the head. Just like... He was huge. All jokes aside, though, he was huge in that game. He was huge in terms of what he did in, you know, in pass protection when they kept him into block because he's the best block in time end in the league but just in terms of his ability to catch you know to catch the ball to make yards after the catch that the bobbling catch that you just talked about was phenomenal although uh, if if Diggs had had anything about him he would have just knocked the ball away sort of went in for sort of a half-hearted tackle missed the tackle and should have just knocked the ball away um but he he was a monster and they're going to need him to be a monster next week you know when you're lining up over you know, on that defensive line again, you know, it's not Micah Parsons and and Dexter and um Demarcus Lawrence, etc. It's gonna be, you know, Hassan Reddick and and Sweat and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and and those guys. That's another massive challenge for Purdy. And I think for me the issue with Brock Purdy next week is that you won't have faced a secondary like that. Now you're gonna have, you know, these are essentially two all pro corners in Slay and Bradbury and the best sort of nickel safety combo player in the NFL in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Plus, you know, you look around that secondary and, and we saw it in the game against the Giants, you know, whether that's Maddox or Epps or or Slay or Bradbury or Kayvon Wallace or Reed Blankenship or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. You know, there's eight, nine, ten players in that secondary who all make significant contributions. And I was looking at the snap count as well for, for the Eagles defensive linemen. Uh, Jonathan Gannon had 10 players on that defensive line rotation who had between 10 and 34 snaps. You've got a great offensive line, but again, it's, you know, that offensive line just wore Daniel Jones down on on, on Saturday night. And, you know, Purdy's going to have to raise his game again another level, I think, to to overcome that defense. I I think that's hold in this game this weekend as well, though, is the 49ers have had similar rotation because uh, the stat before the game was that there was no player on the defensive line or the front seven for the, I think not the front seven, because that would include Fred Warner, but no player on the defensive line for the 49ers who over their last two games had had as many snaps as Mika Parsons did in just the wildcard round. Like two games had to have like less than half per game is amazing. And it does, there was just that bit of freshness. And in the second half, I thought that really, really told. I, I, I think, and we'll get on to the, to the Eagles 
I, I like let's do NFC first, but I think what gives me some and the Eagles are opening up as favorites and I completely kind of agree with that when you look at how complete their performance was this past weekend and it's at home and just such a huge occasion and I completely like they I think they've opened up at two and a half point favorites and that makes total sense to me. I, I'm not questioning it. I do think that there is a blueprint for either of these teams to win a game of football because they both neither of them have like a really glaring weakness and they've won games in really different ways throughout the season. And like for the 49ers who gave up two or three really big plays against Seattle, which ended up keeping them in the game, Charvarius Ward and Demo Lenore were brilliant down the field this weekend and they really tightened up on that side of things. And so like, I think they'll need to run the ball brilliantly against, uh, against Philly because their pass rush is so good. 70 sacks in the regular season, 15 more than any other team is astonishing and you know turnovers will also be key in that game um but i think there is a, a blueprint for them to win it i just it is terrifying because going to that eagles giants game and maybe the giants are frauds ollie maybe like the win over the vikings didn't count maybe coaching can only carry you so far so we talk about the nfl but have you ever experienced the nfl in its natural state live and in person in America, surrounded by tens of thousands of screaming partisan fans after spending hours beforehand in the car park outside the stadium enjoying a cold beer, maybe one or two, as the smell of barbecue and tailgate food wafts deliciously through the air. If not, or if you have, and you fancy doing it again, well, Touchdown Trips folks are the experts in creating amazing travel packages for your favorite NFL team. And when we say amazing, we mean it. The guys and the girls at Touchdown Trips put fans first and are passionate. The fans who book with them get a proper, unforgettable, and more importantly, a unique NFL experience. You don't just get tickets, but an authentic pre-game tailgate with local fans. College fan? You want to go to a college game, stadium tour? Why not? As well as all that, they include flights from across the UK. They've got fantastic hotels and anything else you may want to add, such as an NBA game or an NHL game or a local excursion to create truly bespoke packages that are more importantly, at all protected and ABTA bonded. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season or next and just want to get in touch, give the team at Touchdown Trips a shout today at touchdowntrips.com. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash touchdown trips or Twitter at touchdown trips. Touchdown Trips, you have to see it to believe it. The Bengals going into that building, winning as impressively as they did in Orchard Park. Doing it with that, I mean, that first huge drive to Jamar Chase in three minutes 20, where they just put the Bills apart entirely. And with a defensive performance, this is to when Ollie was saying, I was thinking, I do like that Bengals defense, though. I do like that Bengals defense. Like, I don't feel the Bengals are as complete. And I do think, like, okay, they, they could have Alex Kappa back and they could have um, uh, Jonah Williams back. And their offensive line has been league average this year, which is good. I, I don't know where that Bills performance came from. Obviously, like, they lost Von Miller, Miller early in the season, have been relying on some kind of stunt-based pressure for a lot of this year, Simon. But the Bills just had 
like they didn't look like a team like like a team that were anything like a team we thought could go to the Super Bowl and win it this year, particularly yeah. when trying to attack the Bengals' offense. Without Miller, it, it's re- it's been really difficult for them to get home in terms of you know rushing, you know, getting home with four. They've had to manufacture pressure from elsewhere, and I just think the the injuries in the secondary which stopped them from doing that. You know, the the real pressure, best pressure packages came when Matt Milano was was blitzing, but also then when Milano was was doing that. If he wasn't getting home. Then that was leaving the underneath because they're, they're obviously playing four two five like most teams do. It just meant the underneath was wide open. And when you've got you know the tight, only got Hurst and you got Boyd and you got Chase and you've got um, uh, Higgins, Higgins and, and yeah. Mixon and these guys out the back, Irwin and and P Ryan. You know, it's just it was just impossible for them to do it. And if they sat back and played coverage, then Joe Burrow would just pick them apart because he's an absolute master. I mean, talk about you know talk about a guy just becoming I mean I think he's been a top five quarterback but I think you're looking at a top two top three quarterback in the league at very worse now um and what he was able to do with that offensive line Jackson Carmen you know 39 pass pass rush snaps one pressure no sacks no quarterback hits one pressure that's an astonishing job by three out of five replacement offensive linemen who came in and did just an unbelievable job and look we have been uber critical of Zach Taylor for multiple seasons on this podcast. We've been uber critical about him. I know the audience can't see it, but in the WhatsApp group, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think he deserves a whole heap of praise this season. Well, last season he got to the Super Bowl last season, and you know you you don't luck your way to a Super Bowl. They went on the road, and they won three games on the road. And this year, I think you know he's been absolutely fantastic and and the way he handled the Demar Hamlin situation was fantastic the way he ha- handled and helped Sean McDermott was fantastic and I thought his game plan yesterday offensively was absolutely stupendous and I thought they ripped the Bills apart and it wasn't even as close as the final score um indicated I think they'll beat the Chiefs whether Mahomes was healthy or not and I think they'll win the Super Bowl I think their defense is good enough I think they can get home with four they're really good inside with with Hill and, and Reader. Reader's fantastic they can get pressure off the edge with three guys Hendricks and Osai and um and Sam Hubbard those two linebackers are really underrated Logan Wilson and Pratt and I know they're missing their best cover corner in Chido uh, be a Wuzier but you know they've played really well on the back end they've got two really good safeties in Bates and Bell and I just think they're um and Lou Anarumo is just an absolute superstar. And the fact he hasn't got any head coaching interviews just sums up NFL owners really because um you know for two back to back years I mean, he was great secondary coach for the Dolphins but for two back to back years in in Cincinnati he's been absolutely at the top of his game and last night's was the absolute master plan. So um I think the Bengals will win the Super Bowl. I just think Burrow just has that it's you know it's like Tom Brady he has that it factor that there's something special you saw at LSU he's just got whatever it is that gene that just makes him just he's just cool as Michael sorry for swearing Joe, cool. <laughs> Joe cool part two yeah I mean it's you know it's it, the response catch the, on. the response that he gave when he oh. was asked about the fact that about they the felt disrespected oh, that they that they uh, that you know that sixty thousand tickets had already been sold for the neutral venue with the assumption it was going to be Bills Chiefs next week, and he just said better get issuing those refunds. Just did, like didn't even like didn't bother trying to like didn't expand that it didn't anything else. Just like give those people their money back. He's funny. He's got a great personality, Ollie, hasn't he? He's just got 
He's got the it factor on the field. He's just cool. He's just a good, you know, he's just got everything. I think he's just a phenomenal, I think he's just a phenomenal. We're in such a great, blessed position when you look around the league and you look at the, the young quarterbacks, whether it's Mahomes or Allen or, you know, Hertz or Lawrence. We, we, or, we didn't talk about this going into this weekend, but divisional round weekend, Dak Prescott was the oldest quarterback yeah. at 29 years old. Like that is just honestly for a, a league that has been that has gone through Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and these guys who are getting older and older and older and creeping up and up and they haven't been having the young talents come in and replace them. Now it feels like we're finally there. And that is an exciting point. And Ollie, I mean, I know you're the same as me. However, we felt about Zach Taylor and anyone else. The man crush for Joe Burrow has always been there. The, the thing with Joe Burrow. Uh, the, <laughs> I the, Joe, my buddy Joe. <laughs> my buddy Joe, big man Joe. Um, it, winning in that environment yesterday, charged as it was with the with the, the history between the two teams because of what happened a couple of weeks ago, the weather, uh, snowing, a, snowing a snow game in Buffalo, cold, and then just coming out and being almost flawless. If I, I was trying to, I've, I've looked back at the stats and I think it was 23 of 36, but I don't remember 13 dropped passes. Uh, I, I, I don't think there were, there were hardly any dropped, actual drops from his, his receivers. So they were catching everything. And pretty much every single pass was on the cusp of being out of reach from defenders so fingertips or what or and whatnot so he was he was perfectly throwing it so they were uncatchable his receivers had to make big plays to come down with them and they did higgins i thought was just outrageous just uh, he his size and speed allows the everything else for jamar chase and um joe mixon had a brilliant game the run game was schemed beautifully it seemed like even after contact would be around four or five yards, he would get another four or five yards. I just, it was almost a complete offensive performance from them. And then defensively, I said earlier that they, their defense isn't as good as the, or as splashy named as the 49ers and the Eagles. But as a unit, man, they played really well yesterday. Played, they, they were together um, and didn't allow the Bills to settle at all. The snow settled more on that field than the Bills' offense did. It was just a, a perfect performance from them. So, uh, like, so much to, to unpack from what we've said. On the defense side, on Luana Rumo, I just wanted to give one particular mention um, to the... He, you mentioned them missing their best coverage corner. I thought that the Bills were going to pick on Cam Taylor-Britt early on, and they did have a one big completion on Cam Taylor-Britt in the first quarter, and there was that feeling of, right, they're going to go in that direction all day long. They're going to pick on this kid. They're going to find the rookie and just target him and just put digs on him or put Dawson Knox on him or just keep forcing the ball into wherever he is in the field. Hopefully they get matchups with him in single coverage and just keep picking on him. And he had, played a really good game after letting up that first catch. And and as much as that's Lou Anarumo's scheme was brilliant, I just think they've coached the players up really well as well. Like you talked about all that underrated talent on that team, Simon. Uh, I, it, here's the where, the where that I'm torn on the offense conversation, right? So I completely agree with what you said about Zach Taylor, Simon. I think, I don't think we've disrespected Zach Taylor. I think we were right about Zach Taylor last year. And you said you don't get to the Super Bowl on luck. I thought they didn't get someone on luck, but I got, thought they got to the Super Bowl on talent and defense. Like, the scheme was so simple last year, so basic. 
the last eight games of this year, that run scheme has just completely changed. Like, they have added so many new wrinkles and so many different changes, ways to change it up and ways to play personnel. And Samaj P. Ryan's been a huge part of that with his pass blocking as well as, 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 as the way that he's come into the game as a running back. And that's Zach Taylor. And I think that's, you know, brilliant. And I think that's what yesterday showed was I looked at it and I went, losing those three offensive linemen, they're going to be, have to lose all of those wrinkles because that's the team that they put it in with. And they didn't at all. They ran that offense and they ran it brilliantly. And that's what I was as impressed with as anything else. I do think that if we're just immediately going, but they're going to be fine to be either the Eagles or the 49ers if they get to the Super Bowl, is that we are ignoring just how much the Ravens shut them down for two weeks. That the Ravens, with their really strong linebackers, with their very, very like sturdy offensive line, with a good secondary just really did a good job on the Bengals' offense. And you can argue divisional rivals know them very well, but I always think that it's where... Super Bowl kind of has one of the great levelers is having the two weeks to scheme and plan and put something together. And that's where great coaching can come through. And so I do think the Bills and the talent that they lost on that defensive line and not being able to get pressure meant that they weren't able to do what the Ravens did. I do think that the Eagles or 49ers will do a better job on that Bengals offense. But I I've massively fancy them against the Chiefs this weekend, regardless of... Uh, Mahomes injury to be honest yeah I mean I, I'm going to happily own the L on, um, on on Zach Taylor and I do disagree I think the Bengals will win the Super Bowl I think that uh, I do think the divisional in division games do count for something different um, and I don't think that the you know I don't think that the Ravens defense is necessarily any is that much different when you look at the linebacker play for example between Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano compared to you know Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen um, so I, I also I also thought for the Bills just on that point I thought Milano didn't flash anywhere near as much as he normally does. And Tremaine Edmonds actually had straight up a a pretty bad day across the board. Like, they didn't play up to their their moments. It was a scheme, though, Will. I mean, maybe that's the the reason why, is that they were just schemed out of, you know. I I thought he called a brilliant game, you know, and I'm happy to give credit to to Taylor I think he's um yeah look what I think he's done really well apart from schematics is also just in-game decision making and Mm. it's the thing as a Dolphins coach that I hope that Mike McDaniel makes the same step next year in terms of Taylor clearly went away looked at the mistakes that he made whether that was clock management whether that was you know uh, situational football etc etc and he's clearly worked on it and he's got significantly better and I think it's just made him a better head coach and it's made him a better schemer and you know that this team is this team is primed for a for a big run, and I think it starts this year. I am. Um, we're gonna we'll talk Chiefs Jaggers in a moment. And my last point on the who would win in a Super Bowl because I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. I I fancy the Eagles against the 49ers this weekend. That's not a self detriment thing. I just think that they are so talented and so much depth and back at home and everything else. Like if I was a neutral and a betting man and all that stuff, I would be picking the Eagles this weekend. I think in a great game, but I do think they win it. The thing you said about the in-game management, that would be something I'd be really positive on if the 49ers had to face the Bengals because their halftime adjustments have been amongst the very best in the NFL this year. But also there was a drive at the end of that 49ers game, at the end of the first half of that 49ers-Cowboys game where Kyle Shanahan just went into full 
Carl Shanahan in a big game, yeah. but clench. Inverted play just, calling. Yeah, I just what are you why have you suddenly gone so conservative? Why aren't you mm. taking the time out? Why aren't you driving like that? Then they got the field goal from it and they took the lead into the half, and that's fine. But God, that stressed me out so much. Um, let's talk about the Chiefs, because Ollie, I think we've both, <laughs> me and Clancy, basically, essentially, just dismissed them out of hand. Patrick Mahomes, how do you feel about the way that he kind of almost forced his hand to get back into that game after turning his ankle and then reacted to having to be pulled out of the game for two series and then came back in and performed after the half? It's a weird one. I'd actually completely forgotten that he'd done his ankle. Uh, but, <laughs> but then obviously I watched the game. Um, it, it's a weird one because he he had, he, he was visibly annoyed at having to go back into the locker room. I think he said afterwards as well that he only went into the locker room because they said, if you don't, we won't let you come back out after halftime or, or whatnot. And um, it, as a Chiefs fan, you'd like to see that he wants it so much. But Chad Henney obviously looks pretty good. Um, he's, no, he's no Patrick Mahomes. The thing that confused me the most was when I think the Chiefs were a couple of scores up, Mahomes came back in and I thought, you don't need, he doesn't need to be out there for this. A couple of scores up late on to go. I think the Jags, Jags got one back. Um, so... If there's a worry that the Chiefs and maybe Patrick Mahomes thinks that it's all about Patrick Mahomes and he has to be in there. Whereas they performed okay with Chad Henney. They and you know he's done it in a in a, a regular season game a couple of years ago, didn't he? But I, I thought what was fascinating about when Chad Henney did come in for those two series and I, Mahomes. When he first came back in, there was when he, he ran an outside run where he barely got to the handoff because he could not run on that foot. And mm. when he came out with it taped up, and I'm sure definitely nothing injected into his foot to definitely deal with the not. pain at all uh, on top of that, is there was the 70-yard drive with the you know, off-the-one-foot touchdown pass to Marcus Valdez-Scanling. It was very, very good. But I thought Chad Henney in the two series he was there... I didn't see Andy Reid make a huge change to the play calling. Like they didn't suddenly go super simplified and suddenly start just running a load of underneath stuff and check downs. And like it, it was a third and one where he literally ran the Mahomes super typical speed option outside play that they seem to run on basically every third and one. And I was like, that's Chad Henney. That's not Patrick Mahomes. And he ran that exactly as I would expect, expect Patrick Mahomes to run it. He says he's going to be fine. He's high ankle sprain. He said he's going to play next weekend against the Bengals. You know, Simon, I think we both said in the last 20 minutes, we would kind of pick the Bengals anyway. But if Mahomes can't get outside the pocket and make those off schedule plays and make those ridiculous throws that, that kind of win him games of football. Simon's so upset that why what I've said, <laughs> she's got to turn the light on. <laughs> I realize how dark it was. Yeah. You were disappearing. I was, I was wondering, um, like, even even with that, I, we've both said we've had the Bengals, but without that, you know, is it... It's still the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes, you know. They've still got talent yeah. all over that defence. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Nick Bolton, you know, all across the secondary, McDuffie. Um, and they've still got Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yeah, I, I think we've almost become immune to how a phenomenal a team they are. Yeah, this is the fifth straight year they've hosted the AFC Championship game. I mean, that is just astonishing. 
you know, it's astonishing when you when you take a look back and not even the Patriots at their absolute height had five straight AFC championship games, I don't think, um, in terms of hosting them. Um, so, yeah, and, and to do it all without their second best offensive player in Tyreek Hill. I mean, Travis Kelsey was an absolute monster. It'll be fascinating to see how the Bengals go about trying to shut him down, whether or not they play Pratt on him and or Von Bell or Jesse Bates or and one of the, you know, um, Logan Wilson. Uh, that will be fascinating. Uh, I do wonder just about... Mahomes' inability. I mean, it was interesting listening to Tony Romo yesterday during the Bills-Bengals game saying that, you know, today, uh, so Sunday yesterday, he wouldn't have been able to walk properly. He probably would have been on crutches because of the pain of the high ankle sprain. And, you know, the magic that he has in the pocket is accentuated by the magic that he can create just by moving around or scrambling out and those sorts of things, which he probably isn't going to be able to do. The Bengals and Anna Romo, you know, those inverted blitzes that they have from those from those single high safety looks where they send Mike Hilton on blitzes, um, you know I think they'll have pressure packages to to try and yeah, try and keep it. They're very disciplined, try and keep him in the pocket. Hendrickson and Hubbard very disciplined pass rushers. Uh, internal pressure from Reader and Hill who can really push that pocket and force Mahomes, you know, outside. Uh, the parameters of the pocket and, and into pressure, I think, will be a will be a big issue. So if you know if Luana Rumo can dial up another plan, I think it's going to be quite difficult for the for the you know you, you don't want to rule the Chiefs out. Andy Reid's a genius. Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, but you know you kind of feel like odds slightly against the Chiefs given the fact that you know he might be operating at sixty percent, which is sixty percent of Pat Mahomes is better than hundred percent of seventy five percent of the quarterbacks in the league. But you know, <laughs> there's a lot of percents there. Sixty percent of the time it works every yeah. time. <laughs> but, you know, I just think in an AFC championship game he might just not have enough of, of what makes him so special that, that the Bengals will will take this one. What what he will have is Travis Kelsey who yeah. Ollie, 14 or 17 on targets caught, 98 yards, two scores, just, you know, healthy Mahomes, injured Mahomes, Chad Henney, double covered, triple covered, didn't matter. Just Travis Kelsey, just, he was completely, the the, the line for over under Tra- Travis Kelsey receptions was set at six and a half percent for Saturday. And he blew past that in the first two drives. It's just ridiculous. Like, for, he is... For- yeah, he's ridiculous. 14 receptions. He he has got unbelievable hands. He's a such a crisp route runner and he's he's so physical after the catch as well. Is I mean Gronk's probably the best tight end ever, but then it's Travis Kelsey, right? That makes Tra- sense. Travis Kelsey the best pass catching tight end I've ever seen. I still think there's all-round guys that I like more, but just as a pass catcher, he's ridiculous. He's a much better blocker than people give him credit for as well. Yeah. I think he's a better second level blocker. I don't think he's a great yeah, inline no. blocker, but that's, you know. <laughs> if it's Travis Kelsey, then what does it matter? Like, yeah. I, I, I think, think also he's getting Kelsey better. The two best of a generation, I think, Ollie, don't you? Kelsey and Kittle, did you say? No, Kelsey and Gronkowski are the two best Gronk. of the last. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And. I think Gronk, given the amount of um, the amount of rings that he's got, uh, but and the link up with Brady and all of that, and just his freakish size and the you know unmatchable kind of puts him over Travis Kelsey. But Kelsey's making is, is a is a really talented 
uh, is is so talented, like a talented player, rather than just using his size to to manipulate situations. I think Kelsey's so talented. He has an insane size, though. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not Gronk size, is he? I, I thought that Steve Spagnolo's defense uh, again really good, like mix up of pressures. Frank Clark, I thought looked his best he has for a while. Did didn't need a huge Chris Jones game, but he still made one or two big plays uh, in order to blow through. And actually, like we've not talked a lot about the losing sides over these last couple of games. Like we didn't talk a huge amount about what the Giants do next from a Jags perspective. Like for all this positive stuff we're saying about the Chiefs, they kept this game incredibly tight. Without the Jamal Agnew fumble, that like it would have been an even tighter game. Without the the late interception, which was that insane one-handed grab, like it would have been a tighter game. This team were three and seven and have won a playoff game this year. Like Doug Peterson deserves all the love in the world. Trevor Lawrence deserves all the love in the world. And I fully expect this team to be out there competing in the AFC again next season and, and tooling up and actually taking another step up potentially. Yeah, I think they're yeah. a good team, Ollie, aren't they? They're a good team with good defense, good young players in that front seven, and they've got their quarterback, and that's kind of and Calvin Ridley's coming. So, you know, I think that, like you say, will they're going to be a, a threat, Ollie, aren't they, for for years to come? Well, I, I was going to say the fact that they've got that second receiver or the a second number one, Christian Kirk, then becomes the, the second receiver. I think it's just huge. They they're far too reliant on Kirk down the stretch. Who, he had a good. He had a good last series of games, didn't he? Scoring touchdowns and people starting not to question the huge price tag that that he came with, um, contract wise, etc. But um, when you've got someone else like Ridley coming in, or if they draft or or whatnot, just to give Trevor Lawrence more of those weapons, um, maybe another running back um, to give Etienne some some help. I I didn't. Jermichael Hasty is a, a bit of a. Uh, a bit of a, a journeyman guy. So they, if they, in the off-season, addressed some of those needs, man, the, the the way that Trevor Lawrence just became a quarterback throughout the season, like he, he became an NFL quarterback throughout the season. We saw it with Josh Allen a couple of years ago where it was from season to season, off-season to season. Lawrence did it during and in, in the actual season. And I thought that was so impressive. And... You can only imagine with Doug Peterson, they're just going to be a better team in a very poor division next year. I don't know if we'll do another um, if we'll do another show this week because we've kind of previewed these games this weekend as we've gone along. But you know, there's other stuff to talk about. There's head coaching vacancies still out there. Uh, there's interviews happening. There's there's lots of other stuff. I'm sure a lot of those hires will start happening now. Teams are dropping out of the playoffs as well. So there's lots of other stuff to get to. So maybe we will do another show later this week. But just if we don't. Let's finish off with a quick round the houses of our Super Bowl matchups. Ollie Hunter. <laughs> I think it's going to be a repeat of Miami three years ago. Wow. Four years ago. That's the, literally the flip of what I think Simon's going to say. It yeah. is the flip of what I'm going to say. Sorry, Will. I'm just going to say, I am going to say Philly Cincinnati. Yeah, I think it's 49ers uh, Chiefs. 49ers Chiefs, by the way, which is what I picked Pre-season, and everyone said I was mental. 
to pick the 49ers. Just, I'm just putting that out there. I got dug out on Twitter, left, right, and center for picking 49ers. Chiefs yeah, but pre-season. you did think it was going to be Trey Lance as their QB, and there was no yeah. chance of the go- them going. And 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 I think and I think you'll I think you'll find what I said was this defense and this roster are Super Bowl caliber, and the quarterback can be carried to a Super Bowl. And I was told that's not possible, and they managed to be carried to, to carry a seventh round pick to the Super Bowl. So I was right. Yeah. It was just the wrong quarterback. I mean, I was you talking weren't about. right at all. That's the most. <laughs> It's amazing. Absolute bullshit. (laughs) But despite the bullshit, I am going to pick the Eagles this weekend, and I am going to say I'm. I'm going to. I actually going to go with Simon. I'm going to. I'm going to say Eagles, Bengals, in Arizona. Lovely stuff. All right. Thank you so much for watching and listening at UK Gridiron on Instagram, at Gridiron on Twitter. Go find my Twitter handle and admonish me for my absolute like reworking of the story uh, of my own preseason. Uh, I'll take it. I'm all right with it. Uh, or maybe you want to back me. Who knows? Uh, but otherwise, thank you for engaging, listening, following. We'll be all over it uh, this weekend with the uh, with the championship games. And then we are off to the Super Bowl. We'll be doing shows from Radio Row. We'll be doing daily stuff. We'll be doing stuff on social media. Can't wait. Thank you for getting involved in the Gridiron Show. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.